Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I've got Bill with me and then um, Robert Battle, gracious enough to come back and talk with us. If I got the date right, I think it was February was the first time we had him on, and probably it's been that long, but um, but really curious to keep that conversation going and especially to find out what you did once you left Drexel. Um, had a great time talking about your career there, but um, really, I know I didn't do a good job of keeping up with you afterwards, but um, wanted to kind of you know, go over that with you. So, um, so first of all, Rob, welcome. Um, how have you, how have you been? Good, man. Thank you guys for having me back. Yeah. I can't believe it's been <laughs> time passed so fast, man. February to, to, to August, but, uh, things, things are going well. Uh, you know, got, got my little one. She turned one in, in June, you know, the oldest one excited, excited, get ready to start the third grade. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. Can't, can't complain. I had my daughter's uh, first birthday in the start of August, so pretty close together. Right, that's good, man. Yep. You got all girls then? I just got one, one girl. One girl, there we go. It's the first one. Girl bad. Yeah, man. It's nice. It's fun. Yeah. The first one's the best one, I think, and then they go by really quick. It is true what people say, but, um, but you know, Rob, we were going to kind of start out with you, so I, I guess kind of wondering, so as you're like a senior at Drexel and wrapping up your career, um, did you have any goals of what you thought you might do when you graduated or directions you might go, or were you kind of open to a lot of things? Yeah, obviously, man, I was trying to piggyback off of the, the, the great tournament. Um, it sucks was, you know, with the, the disappointment in the championship game. It took me like 10 years. It probably was like 10 years or more before I even watched that game. Uh, but, um, you know, piggyback off that and the, the, the NIT, and uh, I got the opportunity to – uh, work out for the Sixers and um, uh, a couple times down over in Jersey, once with the Nets and then another time was uh, with the Nets and there were a couple other teams that, that came through. They kind of did a, a, a group thing uh, with different teams there, uh, but, but nothing really came uh, out of that. I got some good tips. Uh, one was improving on a jump shot at that time, and I think I don't remember anything. I know that was one thing they had mentioned, especially when I worked out with the Sixers. So I was trying to focus on that. Um, signed with an agent, uh, Andre Buck, out of out of college. I think he has his own. He was working with Leon Rose then, uh, but I think he has his own agency now. There's a couple guys he represents. I can't remember their names. How'd you go about finding the agent? What was that process like? So when you're so in your senior year, when when people see that you may have the ability to play after college, they'll they'll contact you. Um, I know Bruiser had uh, the guy Andre Buck was always connected with, like John Hartnett in those workouts and uh, Bruiser. So he definitely connected me there. And then there was there was him. There was another guy named uh, Michael Siegel. Uh, I think who's still an agent. And then there was one group, they were like fourth and one sports or something like that. And they were a football, you know, agency, but were trying to break into the basketball. So I wasn't really too keen on that because I'm like, well, they don't have any experience representing basketball players. So, uh, but I, I actually sat down with all three of them and, you know, with the family and, and, and a trusted friend. And we made the decision to go with uh, Andre Buck at that time. And, uh, it's crazy because people see. I talk to people and they're like, "Man, you you doing well? You getting, you know, you getting you getting the bag or this and that." I'm like, "Man, listen, it it it, it, it wasn't easy. My my first year, I got I got cut twice. My first year, um, we wound up getting an offer. I wound up taking an offer in France, Pro B. It's a second second league in France. A team called Beauvais, which is like 45 minutes from Paris. Uh, went out there. Well, first there was some shady stuff. So, here's some advice for for any guys going out there. They they send you a contract. They will have you sign one here. You get over there. They probably have you sign another one, right? Read the contract again. Both contracts. Just don't assume that both of them are saying the same thing. All right? <laughs> because I went out there on a you know on a contract for one season. I get out there. We're we're playing. We're doing well. We play four preseason games. Uh, we played three preseason games. We win all three of them. Um, I'm playing uh, decent teams winning. Uh, head coach was a guy by the name of Jerry Martin, uh, an American guy. 
And um, so after the third game, we're going to forfeit. They, they call me in and say, hey, well, you know that um, your trial period is, is ended. And I'm like, what? Trial, trial period? What are you talking about? That's, that's not what I signed. Apparently, they must they, they did a switcheroo. And um, so me being the player I am, they're like, well, your trial period is ended, but what we like to do is extend it for another couple of weeks. We want to see how you play against another team, another good a good team in Pro B uh, called Evero. In that time they had one kid, I don't know if you guys remember, it was, it was a big-time scorer out of uh, University of Detroit named Rashard Phillips. And then they had a the big guy who was uh, pretty good out of Maryland, University of Maryland, named Ryan Randall. So I'm like, sure, no problem, whatever. I bet on myself. I scored 30 points, grabbed eight rebounds. We win the game. They called me in the office. I'm not making this up. They called me in the office, and he released me. Wow. And he said, and this is the funny part. He said that, well, I don't think you can uh, guard the uh, the bigs in this league. And, I, and that was laughable because I figure, okay, now there, there's something else in play here. Because if there's anything I, I can do is play defense. You know, now if you said something else, maybe I would, you know. <laughs> but, dude, you're talking to the two-time defensive player of the year. I had 116 blocks just last year, you know. So um, I think they, they bit off more than they could chew because th- that team wasn't even in existence. Uh, I think after that season, or or they did one more season, and they they folded. I think they they didn't want to pay uh, what they had agreed to pay me, and you know they wanted to find somebody else cheaper. Wait a minute, to so take it back a, a little bit further, like was international basketball anywhere on your radar? You know, you mean like growing up and going through, and at what point did that become, you know, an, an option for you? Well, I mean, it was an option. Well, also younger. Like like I, I mentioned, it was football was the thing. I thought I was gonna be an NFL star. Yeah. Um, now I chose basketball, and you know, in those later years when you do a I'm like, okay, I can I can make some money doing this uh, playing afterwards. So obviously, just like everybody, every every kid's goal is to play, dreams to play in the NBA. Uh, so I went undrafted, had those workouts that that you know that didn't come to fruition. So obviously, the next uh, best thing is to go overseas and play. So. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do, uh, but the goal was to go because I had seen guys like uh, Udonis Haslam, who's still on the team. He's my year. Um, he's still in the league. Uh, he went over, I think, a year or two. I know he was in France at one point. Came back and you know made the NBA. So that was the whole goal: go over there, play well, work my way back. Um, first year, that first month and a half, which was not a good start. <laughs> so, yeah, I was there for a month and a half in France. Well, I did get to visit uh, Paris a few times, so cool. I guess that's the plus. Okay, um, yeah. They did pay me for my time I was there, and um, I went from there straight to Turkey. So I went to a team in uh, second division Turkey uh, called in the city called uh, Izmir, which is the second biggest city uh, there. Uh played for a team called Gostepe which is a, a really huge soccer club. And the first thing I learned there, them goes to play in this team, Karshiaka, which is like across the river. You take a ferry, but it's the same city. They have like this huge uh, soccer rivalry. It's kind of like, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, or River Boca, except with a lot more violence. So like they had just played that game and somebody had like just got stabbed before I even got there. Uh, <laughs> but um so I went there. I missed the game. I watched this team play. So they had a, they had a lot of money. They 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 were called Bonvit Sport, which is Bonvit is like the Purdue chicken of Turkey. So that was their chicken brand. So there was a lot of money in the team. So they're they were moving up to the first division for sure. You're allowed only one American uh, there. So I was the one American. I watched the game when I got there. They beat this team by sixty. You know, so I'm looking, I'm like, oh, what the hell do they need me for? You know, <laughs> so I, I got there playing really well. They had nice, nice uh, little setup there. City was horrible. It was like middle of nowhere, just nothing to do there. And um, yeah, things were going well. We're winning games. I'm putting up great numbers, like, you know, like 20 and 12 rebounds, things like that. We lose one game, one game we lost and they cut me oh wow so in that in that game i had 
it was either 18 points and 19 rebounds or 19 points and 18 rebounds. And they cut. You, did you did you see other? And I guess the, I don't know if the right word is foreign players treated the same way, or do you feel like that was that kind of the way? I mean, I think that. So what happens over there a lot of times? These people who run the teams, they they don't know anything about basketball, right? So this guy was like a soccer guy, and when I talked to the GM, he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. We you know we love to keep you, this guy. Uh, you know, he's like, I see." expected not to lose any games at all. So um, I exchanged information with this guy. He was like, when we're in first first division next year, definitely would love for you to come back. Uh, and uh, yeah, so funny thing is, so that was March 2004, right? Because I graduated in 03. So by March 2004, I was already, I was home. I was home and I was, I was, um, I don't know if any, any of you guys came through, McFadden's, at Citizens Bank Park, I was security there. Oh, I was wow. bouncing at McFadden's <laughs> when I came home. So it's funny you you're you're an overseas player. I was I was I was I was working. I was bouncing at the ballpark. Yeah, I went to a lot of games because I was a student then. I used to go all the time. Yeah, so you know who was there? Um, um, Big Mike Carroll, the wrestler. Mike Mike worked when we worked there together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't follow the wrestling team that close, but okay, yeah, wow, okay. So, um, yeah, it was definitely um, a rude awakening. Like, hey, this, you know, it's not. It's not going to be easy. Um, it didn't deter me. I just did what I had to do. Did that. Made sure I was in the gym. Um, you know, was there making like ten dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes not getting home to one, two because extra innings, and then being up at four or five to go work out. It was, you know, it was, it was a grind. Um, the way you had to do, basically. Yeah, but I say that following that following summer when I went to Mexico, I guess that's where you can say the whole my career officially began because uh, I got that job. That's where I met my current, you know, my most my agent that I stayed with, an Argentinian guy, because uh, Buck went through him to get me placed there. And um, I went to that team. They were like six and three. It was a small city called San Luis Potosi, Mexico, and had a great season. They were looking for somebody. Said, oh, we need somebody to come in and score 24 points a game. My agent didn't believe I could do it. I'm like, listen, man, whatever they need, I can do it. But, you know, y'all have seen me play. That's not really my game. I kind of do everything. So I went there. I averaged 17 points and 11 rebounds. We won nice. a championship. But – and and I got my first championship, my first Finals MVP. The closeout game, I scored forty two and twenty five. <laughs> so, um, so that ended like in December of that ended in December oh four. That's a short shortly. So that was during the time where Mexico wasn't like really uh, FIBA. So what players used to do is they would go there and play while they're waiting for something else. So when something else pops up, they just leave. So that was the plan. All right, we go. I'll go here. We'll, you know, I play well. They'll see that we'll get something else, and then I can just bounce. I'm, I'm not locked in. Turns out nothing was coming up at that time. I wasn't happy with my agent. I kept calling. Uh, he did some, you know, something I didn't like. You know, calling me about the situation in Turkey and bombing, like using my contact with the GM to get somebody else there. So. And I'm like, hey, what's up with the, the NBA stuff? You know, my, my jump shot is, is right right now. And, um, you know, I feel like I had, I got to, I got to, you know, uh, I put a good step forward, you know, with the workouts. I kept this email for a long time. He emailed me back talking about, well, you, you, you know, you wouldn't be able. So, no, this is what he said. He's like, oh, I don't know the jump shot. You wouldn't, I don't think you'd be able to get that off in the league because it's a set shot or something like that. And I'm like, well, listen. That's, that's not your job. Your job is to get me in the door to give me the opportunity. Your job is not to decipher whether I can get my shot off or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like I was getting close with these workouts. Got the response that you shouldn't get from the agent, right? Like, oh, you know, um, you think you were close. You were just an extra in those workouts and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just not cool stuff. So I literally kept that email for years as, you know, motivation. Yeah. Uh, we wind up going on. I, I actually parted ways with him during that season. And I said, well, since this Argentina guy already has a job for me set up in Argentina after I finish here, when I got there, I signed with him. And, um, you know, the rest is history. When I got there, 
First time there, I was in a, a beach a beach city down in Patagonia. And so the agent helped you get from Mexico to Argentina then? Is that how that? Yep, the Argentine guy. Yep. And um, yeah, had a great time. I was only there for the second half of the season. Put up some really great numbers, which, uh, and we lost in semifinals there, and um, which which gave me the opportunity to play, to to get to Spain. Um, it's funny, when I, when I look back, I was faced with a decision that if I, if I could go back today, I would go back, I would make a different decision. But, you know, every kid's dream is to play NBA, man. I'm like, listen, okay, I want to play in the top leagues where they're going to look and say, okay, this guy's playing well in the top league and it's going to help me get to the NBA. So at that point, I was faced with a really good, uh, you know, a decent offer in uh, Palma de Mallorca, Spain. Nice place, Mallorca, the island, beautiful white sand, clear blue water. Um, it's this first, this team's first year in the second division, the Lab Oro, which is still one of the top leagues in all of Europe. The ACB, which is the first league, is the second best after the NBA, of course. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go there, I'll kill, I'll move up to ACB, and I'll get to the NBA, you know, but I had a offer a ridiculous offer from Korea. And my mindset, I'm like, well, I go over there and I score 30 points a game. Nobody's going to care because they suck, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, it was an exorbitant amount of money. Like at that time, it was like, I think they were offering me like, and I'm going to put it out there so everybody can listen to it and tell me how stupid I was. <laughs> but um, I was getting, I got offered $10,000 a month to go to Spain. And I think Korea was like $25,000 a month or something wow. like that. Okay. Well, that's good info. Yeah, you know, the financials, I mean, you know, to kind of, yeah. I don't know, I'm not asking you to lay out, you know, you never asked me what to make, but it, it is good to hear that. Yeah. The differences here and there and all that stuff. So, what, which Korean team is looking at you? Oh, shoot. I don't remember. Um, they got to say, it might have been LG's uh, Soccers or Sakers. Well, and we'll talk more about international experience and what it means. I, I almost, I compare like, yeah, I was in the Navy, so I was in Japan for four years, and then they they put me in Korea a couple times to cover a clinic there, and it was like, and then it was in uh, Jinhae, which is close to Changwon, which the Changwon LG Sakers. So okay. I went to a few of their games, so I know where that is, and um, so it's like it, that's my only exposure to international basketball. And then Japan had a league. Um, yeah, and then and I think it was just kind of getting going while I was there. And but and, and maybe in in Europe, like how is it laid out? And people may not know the whole like relegate like the I think Japan had like a J one, J two, J three. So basically, there's kind of lay that out too. What maybe what countries too are more popular or better? Whether those are a hierarchy. So okay, so the top league in all of Europe. Would be ACB. That's the the Division One of Spain. Okay, that's where uh, Paul came from. That's where Marc Gasol came from. That's where Manu Ginobili came from. Thiago okay. Splitter, Pablo Prigioni, you know Pepe Sanchez played in all those guys. You know uh, played in um, those leagues. Um, Ricky Rubio, uh, you know Campasso came from there. All those guys went there and then bounced to the NBA. Gabriel Deck, a couple Argentina guys. Um, and then you had Leb Oro, which is Leb Gold, which was the second division which I played in. Then they had Leb Silver, Plata. So that's three divisions. Then they had EBA, which is like the fourth division. So a lot of these countries typically have like four. Um, Spain is a top country. Then you got like Greece and Italy and um, France has a really um, good league, uh, Israel. So it's all broken down in, in divisions. So you got your top division, you got your second division, you got your third division. And sometimes they even have like the fourth division where those are people who like still have regular jobs, but, you know, go and play. It's kind of like semi-pro. Um, so my first year, I was part of two second divisions, Pro B, uh, France, and then um Second division Turkey. Got it. Okay. Um, so that first division, I went to a couple of their games. Uh, that would be like uh, Karshiaka was the first division. Uh, Two Borg Pilsner, Ukar, uh, little teams like that uh, is the first division there. That's where like Khalid Alamin played and Beshiktash 
That's where Allen Iverson went. Okay. Oh, wow. uh, that that short period of time, <laughs> he came right back. Um, so that's pretty much how it goes. And how you get there, like I said, if you're doing well enough, agents will come to you know will find you, and then that's how that's your liaison to overseas basketball wow. uh, for guys who don't get to get drafted or get to uh, sign in the NBA as a free agent. So that's that's important for everybody to know. If you really want to pursue uh, professional basketball after school and it's not the NBA, there are tons and tons of opportunity. Like It's like every country has a professional league. I got offered to play in Iran before. Wow. <laughs> so And now they have the big league that the NBA sponsored, uh, BAL in uh, Africa. Um, so they have it, they have it everywhere, man. Angola, you can go anywhere and make money to play. Mm -hmm. So people who are out there and wants to play, don't get discouraged if you're not, you know, in the NBA or you don't get even the bigger countries. There's so many opportunities to go play, even just, even just for one year experience. Maybe you're only making a thousand dollars a month, but fresh out of college, you don't have many uh, responsibilities anyway. You know, it's an opportunity to go travel. Um, go do it. See how you like it. What do you think? Yeah, you know, you're you're because you're throwing out there places in Spain and Argentina like it's nothing. But for a lot of people, you know, hardly and I'm sure where you grew up and 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 then where I grew up too, people never leave their hometown. So, how do you think that's helped you, even like as a person? You know, experiencing different cultures and things like that. Oh man, listen. After doing that, uh, when I went to France, when I went to France. No, actually, sorry. Um, my agent had put me in a, a camp, like a showcase camp before. And that's actually how I got the French job. Um, it was a it was a camp in um, like a showcase in, in uh, Italy, in Treviso, Italy. So when I went there, that was the first time I ever left the country. Um, playing AAU basketball, I got to go to other states. Like I've been to California and Las Vegas, and, you know, North Carolina. But I had never left the country before. And um just it gives you a much better perspective uh, on life and, and just everything, because here we feel like we look at other and we're like, oh, there's poverty and people who are out here doing bad things and robbing and stealing and selling drugs. It's all because I'm on the grind and you know I'm grinding, you know, and now just being away and seeing what grinding actually looks like. I'm like, bro. You talking about the, the project, what you call the project would be paradise to these people living under the bridge with no running water, with no real doors, just a blue tarp hanging in front, no shoes out there playing soccer with no shoes or socks on. And you're sitting in here in the projects with a door, with furniture, with running water and heat and electricity. And you're talking about your grinding, <laughs> you know, so um I think everybody, I think we have to find a way in our school system or whatever to get, give everybody opportunity to at least uh, go out of the country because it, it would definitely change you. Is that It definitely made me a better person, open my eyes to see the world in a different way and uh, just to be more grateful to what we have and the liberties we have here um, because it was hard. It was a hard adjustment, man. It, it, it would drive you crazy. When I went to Argentina, I'm just like, y'all do everything backwards. I don't understand this. You know, my teammate, he was an older guy. I'm like 20, what's that, 23 at the time? Or 20, he's like, uh, I think 27, 28. And he's like, he's like, Robert, Robert, you got to, you know, you got to kind of, he always call you my whole name, Robert, Robert. Listen, Robert. And I'm like, dude, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm going crazy. <laughs> And he's like, yo, they, they just, just because they don't do the things the way we do them doesn't mean that is wrong. When asked, hey, how, how do you feel like the basketball was different? And I also asked that in a sense, you know, like, I, and I, I love Japanese baseball. I mean, really, and we figure out a way now I can get it on my TV. And there's always that, and, and admittedly, could the Carp, they're my favorite team in Hiroshima, could they, you know, they'd probably be last in the majors. Although, I don't know, I debated, maybe they could be a mid-back team. I don't know. But there's always that feeling, oh, well, it's Japan, it's worse. Um, and I know the U.S. got a wake-up call, you know, basketball-wise in that Olympics. I forget which one it was. Where... 2004. So, I mean, what do you, how would you compare basketball in some other countries that you played in and, 
what was better, what was worse? I mean, how would you compare? Uh, for me, in the countries that I've had the opportunity to play in, Spain was definitely the best, the highest level uh, of basketball. Um, they, they 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 were good. Um, for example, playing there, the guards would definitely never get a night off. There are a lot of great guards, um, national players and, you know, Americans as well. Um, they played in a different way. You know, it wasn't like here, feed feed one person. Like the big guy wasn't getting fed all the time. It was a lot of more pick and roll and, you know, just that yeah, European uh, type game. And the four men that never even entered the, entered the paint. It's always four out, one in. Um, but that was the best level. Argentina was good basketball, rough, okay, very physical. Uh, but that level increased every year. And I just want to put it out there how our, our folks here, our good friends of the NBA, definitely screwed us over. All of those, all of the good guys over there on the front lines playing overseas basketball, when you guys go out there and don't put your best foot forward and lost the world championships and lost the Olympics, made our life a living hell. Okay, over there, you know, looking at us like they don't need us, you know, talking shit. You know, I didn't appreciate that at all. I almost got in a fight the day they lost the world champ. Spain beat us in world championship. I was actually in Mallorca in Spain at the time, and they come in there smiling, look out, say, "You say a word, I'm time. I'm gonna punch you in the face." I don't want to hear it. You know, but um, yeah, I, Mexico was. You know, Mexico. Wasn't great levels in terms of the nationals. Uh, there was like three Americans to each team, but it was good. Like to get up and down, it was open. Uh, same way in Venezuela, you get a lot of higher level players to go there to make money, uh, easy money in the summer because it's it's like basically a paid vacation. Like Puerto Rico, Venezuela, uh, nice weather, pretty women get paid a lot of money, um, and it's like up and down. You know, shoot, run the floor, play little defense, no practice. Uh, that's the type of league that that was. Um, and so that's pretty much the difference. But now you can see that everywhere is catching up uh, to the U.S. These players are, you know, it's not that wide of a gap in terms of where our level is in the NBA and where the rest of the world is. They've definitely closed the gap. It's, and you were accomplished in those leagues, I, you know, you don't seem like type that wants to pat yourself on the back. But you mentioned already you were like finals MVP in Mexico. Um, if what I read, even Argentina, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, some championships and things like that. Yeah, so uh, my, my league championships were the first one was in Mexico. Um, I won my first one in two, that was 2004, 2008 in Argentina. Then I went to uh, Spain. Second division, we won the championship, moved out of the first division. So that was two thousand. That was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And you, so you were in the top division then in Spain. Yeah, I played a year in the top division there. I led the league in blocks that year. Cool. All right. Um, I regret not. Me and that coach were at odds the whole whole year. He he was upset that I came like one day late or something to camp. But I was in. I was playing in the summer league that year with the Sacramento Kings. And I'm like, why are you hating on my dream, dude? Like, he's like, oh, you don't need to do that, this and that. And I'm like, dude. And then at that time, my biological father passed away right after that. So I had to go to that funeral. And so I came in. It was just like button heads the whole season. He changed my role. You know, after leading the team in the championship, he's like, hey, uh, I just want you, I don't think you can score in this league. So I just want to play defense and rebound and this and that. And I think that would have been cool if we discussed this, but I'm excited to come in the next year. You guys coerced me to come back because they owe me money. Uh, and um, I come back and you're relegating me to, you know, like, hey, you're just Ben Wallace. So, I, you know, my mindset wasn't there. But I do feel like that was a lost opportunity. I think I, I still did well. I led the league in blocks, but my numbers suffered because then I started playing the four as well, and which I could do. But your numbers are going to suffer because you're not used to rebounding from the four position. Uh, overseas, the four only plays on, on a perimeter. So now you're running in the rebound as opposed to being already down there. So now you're talking about a different level of, of conditioning too. So uh, my numbers weren't weren't great. And then I made a return to Argentina after that. But um, 
Yeah, I won. I won those uh, championships. So I won about four or five. What is it? Four or five? Uh, what did I say? Mexico, Spain, our two in Argentina, wow. and one in Venezuela. So five league championships. Then I had other like uh, you know like cup things like uh, two Super Eight championships. So probably about seven or eight overall. Um, and um, I was gonna say, I, I think I saw a post from. Uh... Austin Williams calling you like the uh, Michael Jordan of uh, Argentina down there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like, you know, my wife is that person. You know, that person, like, we went out in Argentina one time when they were out there. Uh, you know, I had her and my daughter. We go out to a club with a, a couple of friends, te- uh, a friend and his wife, and they got to stand in line. She's like, you don't stand in line here. They you know who you are. You know, you just go up and tell them who you are. This and I was like, yo, chill. You know, we don't, <laughs> I don't do that. But um, I did I did build a, a good name for myself in Argentina. So I definitely, if anybody follows the Argentina league, then they they would definitely know uh, who who I am and what I what I've done. So I I believe that you know I'm I'm probably one of the best, if not the best, uh, you know American that's played there, and one of the best players overall for that league. But you know, we got the championship to prove it down there, so that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. So both of the teams I won the championship with never won championship. Oh, really? And I had the opportunity to do it a third time. We lost in championship. We just the other team was just better than us, and we were we were at all of us didn't like that coach. We were at odds with the coach, which actually turned out to be the same coach who I won my last championship with, um, <laughs> who who I'm really cool with now. Um, but when he came a calling. A, a couple years after that whole situation, I was like, I knew the, the I knew the, the the city, the club had good money, and I'm like, well, my agent calls me up. He's like, guess who asked for you? I'm like, who? He tell he says the coach name. I'm like, no effing way, like not a chance. I was like, well, you know what? I got a I got a family. I said, well, I'm not gonna let him get in the way of me, you know, putting food on the table. So he was in Buenos Aires. I was in Buenos Aires. I said, listen. We would have to have a sit down and, and talk and iron this shit out because we we had some heated exchanges, which is out of my character. I don't I don't do that with coaches, but he was at yeah he knows it. You know, he was just a you know. But I'll tell I'll tell you that story. But I'll I'll try to keep it I'll try to keep it PG. So he was just one of those. I appreciated that he didn't bite his tongue. Like a lot of times the coaches over there they're afraid of players, so they're afraid of conflict. So like if you have a whole team out there, five guys playing defense. Right or four guys playing defense, and one guy is like getting killed, not playing D. They'll call a timeout and be like, "Hey guys, we have to play better defense." Instead of saying, "Nate, you're getting your ass handed to you. Think you want to pick up the defense a little bit?" You know, he would say that, but the but most coaches will not. Okay, so I appreciated that, but then he would just go uh, overboard. You know, he was like really two faced and talk about how great the guy, and then at another time you know, um, ripping into them. So he sat us down one time. He was mad. We had just lost the first game of the, I think we lost the first game of the, of the semifinals. Uh, and it's the night before the, the second game. And he's letting us have it to us saying this guy, you know, this Argentine guy gave me the business, this and that. He's talking, you know, you're, you're this, you're a second division player to another player. And he's like going ham. And I'm like, so I snap and I'm like, you know, you're you're two faced, you know. What I'm saying this. I'm like you're two faced. You're saying one thing, then talking behind her back at another thing. You know, he's going back for. I said, you know what? I said, I said, just give me. I said, just give me the damn ball. I was like, give me the damn. Ball. He's like, all right. You know what? Tomorrow, the first five balls for you. I was like, great. Give me the damn ball. You sit your fat ass on a bench and enjoy the show. You know. <laughs> so, so we wound up winning that game. Score twenty and fourteen. And we win the game. Um, but um, anyway, I sit down with the guy. You know, I apologize for my part. He apologized his part. Um, and we kind of ironed things out. And, you know, he he was a different coach that following year. We came in and he was like, hey, because he was more of a defensive guy. So we struggled scoring. He really, we had one guy on the team couldn't shoot. Great player, good defender, like 6'5", six, 6'3", six man, had good size, but he couldn't shoot. So all they would do is close in, and I the only person I could pass it to was him. But he wasn't understanding the cut and screen, do the other things uh, to take advantage. So um, 
he was like, yeah, get the ball, eight seconds. You know, the eight seconds, get down, eight seconds, shoot. I'm like, who are you and what did you do with the other, you know, the other coach? And we had an incredible season. And that's that's what this this guy here is from. That championship, we are – this is my, my finals MVP wow. ball here. Cool. <laughs> um, from that season, that was 2014-2015 season. Uh, that was a special team. We just, like, clicked from day one. Uh, and we would play defense and we would get out and we would get out and go. And we had one through four shooting threes. I'm running the floor. We playing four out one in. Um and that was just, um, you know, that was a really great, great season. That was the last championship that I won. It's been seven years. We did a little seven-year anniversary. I, that's I saw that. Fall, I posted about that uh, last month. Yeah. So, and that was the first championship there. Um, so, uh, my first, my other one, my first one in Argentina was another small city. It's called Sunchales. And uh, that was incredible. That's a great feeling, man. That's really a great feeling to bring that type of joy uh, too, because they have really great fans. And my agent was apprehensive about bringing me there because he's from there. That's where he lived. And they were very, I guess you could say they're kind of like the New York. Of, you know how people say people can't handle the the New York media? They were like that. He's like, I don't want you to come here because they say bad things. You know, you're my brother. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take that well. I said, listen, his name's Gus. I said, listen, Gus, don't worry. I'm going to go there. They're gonna love me, and we're gonna we're gonna win a championship. Sure enough, we go there, we win a championship, and uh, you know <laughs> I can do no wrong now. That <laughs> you know. I was curious. You said it a second ago. The the fans. How would you compare? You know, in some of the different countries, the fans to what you are used to back here. The listen, the fans in the U.S. could never, never compare. To what they because though it's their lives like they grow up these so in Argentina, right? They're clubs, like these are clubs. These are not like self-sustaining arenas and these big conglomerates that own their own arena and that's the only thing going on there. Like we're part of a club. Like we had the bat. There's the basketball court there. There's the club pool. There's you know skating. There's other little basketball covers and people pay memberships. To go there. So in that city, that's their club. So they grow up, they love in that club, you know, so they take it very, very seriously. I've been spat on multiple times. You know, I've been called Negro Puto, all types of stuff, you know, um, but um, and then they stand up and they, and they chant and they cheer all game long and they got drums. They got all types of stuff, you know, that they don't allow you to do in the U.S. And they're like right there on you. Like they're on top of you, and um, I try to imagine what 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 does Wells Fargo do? What thirty thousand maybe? Like, can you imagine thirty thousand people standing up the whole time, jumping up and down, singing and cheering? Like it would be deafening. Like that's not what they do. We're we're more like I'm coming in, check the pictures, game. You know, it's a star-studded affair. You're chilling, everybody. No, these folks are out there. They're sweating. They're they're giving it to the refs. They're you know they are. I've had some close encounters. Like I said, I've been spat on in Turkey when we lost and got eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I didn't take losing well. Like I wasn't like an ass. Like I wasn't going around being an ass, but I'm mad. So I don't want to be bothered. So I get on the bus and everybody knows that I'm, I'm pissed. So they're not talking to me, but, and we had some young guys. So I'm sitting, I like to sit by the window because, you know, I like the label. So I'm sitting in the window and they get the captain to go, he's an older guy. They get the captain to get my attention because they're afraid to talk to me. So it's okay. And he's like, hey, hey, Robert, um, you might want to move away from the window. Or this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? As soon as he said that, they start rocking the bus. They throwing rocks and everything in the bus. Right. I hit I hit the floor. We needed a police police escort uh, from the gym. Uh, when I played in Venezuela and I had uh, my wife with me, she was actually five months pregnant with my oldest. And we went to uh, Caracas. And this was the second time I went there and we're in the championship. So we won the first two games at home. This is how they did it in Venezuela. It's crazy. You play back to back. So we won the first two games at home. Like, let's say we play Monday, Tuesday, travel Wednesday, get there. And we play three games on the road. We play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, so we're there. We play those three games. We lose all three. We play the first game. Mind you, we lost. They won. Okay, <laughs> they won the game, but we realized. So our families are sitting behind the bench. They start throwing 
stuff at us, bottles, everything, throwing on the court, and they won. So what we had to start doing was the next day, once the fourth quarter started, we our families had to go sit like in the tunnel, like in inside because they're throwing stuff at us after the game, even though they team won. Um, we wound up losing that championship in a game seven at home, and they went crazy there. Um, and started throwing bottles, threw a bottle, wind up hitting the owner in the back of the head, bust his head open. His kid there, see it going hysterical. We all had to get shoved with our families into the locker room. And it just didn't go the way we planned because everybody's like, we're going to win another championship. We're going to get these bonus checks. We're going to get our money. I didn't see that money. Mind you, this was July. I didn't see that money until May the following year. To the point where I had to contact the guys, like, did you guys send this? I didn't know where it came from. Just had money pop into the account. And I'm, like, calling periodically, like, hey, you what's up the money? So I didn't see it until May to fall the next year. Almost a year later, they sent. I'm happy they paid because, you know, when I played in First Division Spain, they still I got, they still owe me three months of pay. I'll never see that. So that's that's something. That's the ugly side. So we don't have, just to cover that, we don't have the protection like you have here, um, like the national players have over there. So, for example, we go. They have FIBA. Sometimes you will get your money. Sometimes you won't if you uh, take legal action. But in reality, you we don't have protection. If they didn't want to pay us, they cannot pay us. And there's not really much you could do. My first year in Turkey that year, when I finished in March, they owed me three thousand dollars for my last paycheck. I said, uh, I learned from other older guys. Said, Yo, don't ever leave without your money. So they were like, oh, well, you know, I was like, listen, I'm not going anywhere. I don't go anywhere until I get my money. And they're like, oh, don't worry. Why won't we pay you, buddy? Say, Bubba. Hey, Bubba, what what will we pay you? Of course, we're going to pay you this and that. I was a fool. I left, never got my money. And they tried to coerce me to come back by offering me the money that they already owed me. Um, so there was no way for me to for me to get that. So I, I can say, let me see, 20, with three months in the first division of Spain, 60, I've lost probably, I've, I've not gotten paid over $100,000 from my 18 year, 18 years. They don't have players unions and that sort of thing? Or? We don't have that protection, no. So my idea at one point, I just don't know how to go about it, is to create something like that for the Americans over there. Because we don't, we don't have it. We don't have it. FIBA doesn't, can always get it done. I think it's been interesting to talk to you because, yeah, I mean, a lot of good advice for, you know, I mean, up and coming, you know, basketball players and stuff. But this is going back, in particular from Drexel, your experience that kind of really helped you through your, you know, and as you were describing that coach, some of the things you were saying kind of made me think of Bruiser, um, you know, with the way he may say things. So are there you know, things you really took from Drexel that helped you out as you moved through your pro career? Yeah, I think the most, the, the, the main thing was just the way of working now i you know my my work ethic i i built my myself you know but just having that structure uh the weight program you know and they're working with uh mike rankin and following that so i stayed with i stayed doing working out there and working out using mike's program for my whole career um so that was that was the thing right there the discipline and just knowing how to uh, navigate the like the bad times, like dealing with that coach. Of course, of course, I lost my cool a little bit, but I was able to play a season and try to take uh, the constructive criticism from it. So not listening to uh, how they're saying it, uh, but what they're saying. But I know a lot of times what Brew was doing, I think that if he, if they saw him riding me, then it was, a you know, I, I was the punching bag for a lot of the other folks. And I think he did that because he knew that I could I could take it. Um, so, but I tell you what, the good coaches overseas are few and far between. So, you're very lucky to come across good coaches. I can count on one hand after all those years I played how many actually good coaches that I have. So when I first came out that first year, uh, first two no first year and a half. So the first three teams I played for, I, I was missing Brew. I'm like, yo, y'all not going to say anything? Because you're used to being coached so tightly. They're nitpicking every single thing. And you see something go wrong. And I'm like, yo, are you going to correct that? You know, like, or are you going to get on this guy? You know, are you going to teach me something? Yeah. You know, (laughs) 
I didn't learn anything. For the first three coaches I had, I learned nothing. Um, and then that first year in Argentina, I, I had a really good coach. It was a breath of fresh air because when I got there, I always get to practice early. He was already there, like doing notes. He called me and said, hey, so I was listening. I was watching the film. Um, I see that you like to catch the ball here. So I want to, you know, devise a place for you to catch the ball here. And I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, you are with me, man. Listen, I look, I loved it. I loved it. So he was, so when I was in Argentina, I had three really good coaches. I won championships with two of them. And um, to be honest, I didn't like the coach in, in Spain. The first guy in Mallorca, he was, he was decent. He was all right. But they, they fired him after we lost only three games. They did. So there's an example for you. They, they get crazy over there. Um, they have expectations. So like I mentioned, that team had just moved up from third division to second division. Okay. So when that happens, when a team jumps up from another division, their goal typically is just to stay in that division. Because a lot of times the way it works, the bottom two teams automatically drop back down, drop down the division. So their goal really is to just stay in the league, not be in the bottom two. Go there, having a great season. We exceed expectation. We're in first place come Christmas break. And they get so excited. They get ahead of themselves. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to win the league all the time. They start making changes. Um, they, they made a change for another player they brought in. So they brought in this big German guy, seven-footer, who was my backup, who was making twice as much as me. And he never played, you know. So they bring this guy in. They brought in this Greek guy who was like a couple years before was like, oh, he's the leading scorer in the Greek league. He was a weird guy. Dude wore makeup. You can see he's getting makeup on people with jerseys. That smelled bad. He was slow as molasses. But anyway, we get there. We come back from break. We play in what they call like the Prince Cup. So like the top uh, four teams or whatever. And we lose both games. Okay, we, we get smacked. So they're upset. So then after that happens, we go on the road and we lose to that one team again. Three games, only three losses, three in a row. Fire the coach. When they did that, we proceeded to lose the next seven, 10-game losing streak. And I so after the three games, they brought in this new coach. This guy talking the big stuff. He's like, I'm the general. You guys are my soldiers. Or like, I'm the father. You guys are my children. Like, weird guy. He was a, a Portuguese guy. He His claim to fame was he was the – his name was Mario Palma. He was the Angola national team. And he was preaching this, oh, I would never quit and this and that. We don't quit. I'm not going to make any changes. So where he lost um, any respect for me is that he's like, this is the team. We're not making any changes. He sent my best friend on the team home, cut him. So that's how I'm pissed. Um, this guy winds up quitting after losing the seven games. Um, we wind up squeezing our way into the, you know, into the playoffs. But um, after the seventh loss, I had an emotional breakdown. Real talk. That was the realest moment. We we here's a quick story. We were playing at home. We played this team. They had a pretty good. Um, um, uh, team from near Barcelona called Hospitalet. They had this guy named Thomas Terrell. They called him TNT. And he was a four pretty good player. So anyway, long story short, we're tied. I, no, we're up three. And it's like one second or left or something like that. Okay, I'm like, all right, cool. We're about to break the losing streak. It's a sigh of relief. This guy pops back. Thomas Terrell pops back, back behind the three. Right? Under out of bounds. They throw it to him. He catches it behind the three-point line. I lied to you not. If you if you see, you know how people bend when they do the um, yeah. the long jump, how their body bends like that. That's how he cocked back with the ball and <laughs> threw it. Swish, high ball game. <laughs> I can't believe this. I can't believe this. This is not happening. This is not happening. And you know, once once you lose that many games and then that happens, you go into overtime. Those guys were already done. They're like, oh, here we go again. We lose in overtime. I go to, we go to the locker room. I'm pissed. I'm wrecking shop. I wreck shop. I leave out the locker room. I, I find a corner somewhere down the hallway, and I just I just crawl up in the corner, and I'm like, I'm boohooing now. I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> like, this is, what more can I do? What more can I do? You know, I had a great game. We had the, we had the game. 
And my good friend, the one they knew, wound up cutting. He comes and say, "Hey, man, come on, get up." You know, because you know the other teams walk past. And they don't want want them to see you like this. But I was, I was, I never lost like I don't know, I don't know what to do. Never lost like that. That's another thing. I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, and, and I know and another aspect of everyone thinks, you know, the NBA and a great, but you had experience. You played in a game seven, somebody hitting a shot overtime. Like, I mean, it just, you, you, it just in reading about it, just the type of career you had. I mean, again, it may not have played out the way you thought, but I mean, it's just really interesting to hear all the different places you got to go. And again, it, and, and, and I think it's interesting too, you know, different countries and how things are done different. I, I'm just comparing to Japanese baseball. I thought of, you know, the way they, they, you know, when they win their central league, that's bigger than winning their overall championship. So, like, kind of the differences of what gets people upset and then your, your issue, too, with the coaches and people getting fired at the drop of a hat. It's good things for people to hear. And I always say, I, I know there are a lot of soccer fans around, but, you know, if you can find a foreign sport, it, just because it's foreign doesn't mean it's, it's, it's worse. In some ways, it's a lot more interesting, a lot more competitive, better fans, more passionate fans, and on and on. So, um but um, but I, I did want to talk about because I don't want to keep you all night. Um, what are you up to now, and what are you what are you doing now, and what was it like leaving basketball for you? So um, I called it. I um, I decided to uh, transition. I won't say retire. Uh, transition from playing professional basketball last June. So my last game was I played in the celebrity basketball uh, game in June. My friend runs the uh, Brotherly Love Proam League uh, that 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 they have at the Croc Center in, in uh, Camden. Um, and that was my last game. To be honest, I didn't even want to play that one. I told him he's, he's a good friend of mine. I told him I was going to do it. So I wanted to stick to my word, and I played. And it hurt. That floor is hard. It hurt. I, I managed to get one more dunk in there, but I haven't played since. I haven't played a basketball game since in over a year. Haven't even shot a ball, to be honest. I became very much involved in cycling, so I spent a lot of time uh, cycling. So that's kind of taking the place of uh, my piece there, basketball. And um, so while I was playing, I got my uh, license for So I'm licensed to do life insurance. Uh, as well as uh, investment. So I am Series 6, 63, and 26 uh, licensed uh, for investments as well. So um, in my career, I had a situation where I had a financial advisor that just didn't have my best interest at heart. So that kind of sparked uh, when I met somebody in the field and they showed me where I was wrong. Um, that kind of sparked a little bit of fire in a crusade. So I was like, well, I'm going to get this information myself, get licensed so I can help other folks like myself, uh, like athletes who don't know what to do with their money when they go overseas. Cause I had no clue what the, I tried to CD, which is the worst thing you could do. And, you know, some uh, bad real estate investments, just not knowing the formula that I know now. Um, so yeah, I've been focused on helping other players uh, overseas that, that don't have investment accounts, don't have emergency funds, and don't have life insurance to cover their family uh, to do that. But I also took a position uh, a business development for a uh, veteran-owned home inspection company. Uh, the owner is actually um, a high school uh, classmate and a teammate. We played on a football team together, um, a company called Core Inspection Group. And we do uh, home inspections in uh, uh, southeastern PA, uh, Delaware, and um, and South Jersey as well, c- Central Jersey. So that's a way for me to be immersed in the uh, real estate world, uh, get to to meet many investors, many realtors, and uh, because I have some properties of my own, and I like to invest in real estate as well. So I have I started that when I was playing as well. And um, yeah, just just doing that and just figuring out ways to, you know, have multiple streams of income. You know, that's the that's the goal now uh, to make money while you're sleeping. Right. So that's that's pretty much what I'm doing. Got the two girls. Uh, my wife's a realtor. Uh, she's actually pushing me to get my real estate license. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. I, say I got a lot of licenses right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But it, it, it might it might be worth it with the connections that I have. Um might be worth it. I might. I might do it. Two things I kind of want to circle back on here. Um, one is your experience with the with the Kings. Um, how did that come about? Um, 
And uh, how did you feel about that experience? That that's an interesting story. I think they did. I think who was it? One I forget the guy. Was it wasn't Tesla? What's the guy from the Enquirer? I think Kevin Tatum or somebody that did a, a little uh, write up on that one. So it was an interesting story. I'll keep it brief. Uh, went out there on vacation to Vegas, stayed at the Palms. Uh, actually went out there with Ashley Howard and uh, and Henry Fairfax. We all went out there, um, and I treated myself. I had just met my wife actually at that time, and so I was contemplating whether I want to buy this Brightling, right? This Brightling, the Super Avenger Brightling. I'm looking at going to this watch store, and I'm checking it out. I'm on the fence because I never really spent money on myself. Uh, so I think the watch was like four thousand dollars or something like that. So it was like my first big purchase. On myself, so I was on the fence. I, you know, called my girl at the time. Oh, I don't know, you know. So anyway, the lady that was selling me the watch, you know, she's a good salesperson because she's learning about the person. It's like, oh, you pass out, play receive this and that. Tell them, I'm trying to, you know, get back over here. She's like, well, the guy uh, that I know, he's like the right hand man of the Maloof brothers. He's like, he's really good. So next time he comes in, you know, I'll give you a ring up to your room or whatever. Sure enough, she was a woman of her word. Uh, the guy came in. Um, she called me. He gave me his info. Um, I had lunch with the guy. I uh, told him my story. I'm pretty sure he cross-checked me, checked out my you know, my accolades and things like that. And I was actually at Great Adventure at the time when I got the call. A guy called me. He's like, hey, you know, we want to come out to the Summer League with the Kings. And um, it's funny because looking at the way I got the opportunity, I, I wasn't expecting anything. You know, I figured I'd go out there and get some good stipend money, practice. You know, I, I wasn't expecting to play. But that's when they drafted Omri Caspi, the, uh, the Israeli guy, when they drafted Tyree Evans. And then they drafted this uh, five, five-man, five John Brockman. And then they already had Jason Thompson and Dante Green, who were already on the team, but they were uh, second year. Um, so I wasn't expecting to play. That's five players who can play all at once right there. Um, it's funny because Wes, Wes Matthews is on my team too. He came, but, um, so I got to play the first game. I'm like, wow. You know, I, I played 15 minutes. I grabbed 11, I've scored 11 points, grabbed 12 rebounds, you know, a couple blocks, had a dunk and I wasn't able to find really good representation here. So that kind of hurt me too. I, I, I wound up going with some guy, some young guy had no connections or anything. So. So I'm thinking to myself now, I got my host. Oh, I did really well. This is going to be, this is about to turn into something. Like, yo, I'm about to, I'm about to turn out. Next game comes, I don't play. I wind up not playing anymore at all. And so that was a little hurt. So at that point, I was just like, and I was like the oldest guy there. Because, you know, some of these, I'm like 28. And they're, you know, these are all young guys. And it's, it's funny because the whole first half goes by uh, that next game and I'm not playing. And um, I don't know if you guys remember that show, uh, That's So Raven, with like Raven Simone, yeah. the, the father from that that show, ball-headed guy. He was courtside. And he was like, hey, are you going to play? And I'm like, no. He's like, it's a shame. You, you, you know, I love the way you play this and that, which even made it made me feel even worse. you know. But, um, yeah, so at that point I said, you know what, I'm just going to be the best I can be where I am. Where I'm at. Did, did the coach of that summer league team ever say to you, like, you know, talk to you about not playing, or was it just like, you know, there's oh, other not, guys here who need this opportunity? Yeah, no, not not really. Um, and it's funny because there's one guy who did interviews. He was like, he did a whole interview. Was like, hey, about the game, and then was like, hey, you know, about me looking like Michael Jordan and, uh, and that stuff. So he did a whole interview. You could probably find it on on YouTube. This is one there. Uh, he does a whole interview uh, about that and. Uh, I wish I could find the clips from that one game I did play. I, I would love to have it, but uh, I don't know how to find it. But um, yeah, that's how that came about. That was it was by chance. Some um, you know a young lady uh, being a woman or a word and being good at her job. I did wind up buying a watch. <laughs> worked out worked out for both of you, I guess. In that case, yep, I still have it to this day. One of my prized possessions. Who are some other Drexel players that you played with? And maybe played against while you're overseas. Canel Sanchez was the first one I got over there. So he wound up coming over when I was in the city, uh, small city, Sun Chavez, uh, where I won my first Argentine championship. 
I wound up getting him over there uh, to the second division team there. Um, he did pretty well there. We didn't get to play each other. But the only person I, I went head-to-head with that was from Drexel, uh, if I can recall, is uh, it was Chaz, Chaz Crawford. So he played in the Argentine League with me. And, of course, you know, I won, of course. <laughs> if you have highlights of that somewhere, that would be fun to watch. Yeah, that's like two of the best shot blockers in Drexel history uh, going at it. So, oh, so the, so with that, Chaz was actually came on later that season, uh, my last championship. Um, so he was on he was on that team. Came in uh, near the end of the year because uh, one of uh, the Argentina big guy uh, got injured. Well, opted to get surgery. His knee was bothering. He opted to get surgery. Was uh, into the season, and we needed to bring in another five. They brought in Chaz. So Chaz was part of that last championship team back in uh, 2015. Um, Schmieder played a lot of years in, in France. I did not get to play against him. Uh, Phil had a really great career uh, over there um, in Italy. Uh, Sammy is playing right now. So there's a lot of guys. So you with Austin Williams maybe in your, like, last year? Yeah, Austin was – yeah, yeah. Austin was with me in my last season. Yep. Austin was – he went over there first. Um, and uh, they were – they the team sucked. So, of course, they had to call in the big dog to save the course you know because they were oh listen they were 0-10 before I got there and um we wound up running the table making the playoffs um, when I got there we won the we won our first game and um we made a good run man we, to be honest with you there was a couple seasons where I should have more championships but injury and sickness so the first year I was with that same team that Austin was with I was with Austin was a year I wound up having a meniscus issue near the end of the season. And um, so they go in there. I talked to the doctor here, and he's like, oh, you should go in there. are going to clean it up, and you'll be fine, meniscus. They go in there. They realize – I got the surgery in Argentina. They realize, like, oh, it's pretty bad, and they do, and they do microfracture. So it went from, okay, I'm walking out of there. I should be back in four weeks to six weeks non-weight bearing. So that effectively ended my season. So we, we definitely could have – won the championship that year. And then this year, we, we did that whole turnaround. We win a, a playoff series, and we wound up playing the, the top seed. We get to play the top seed. Our our starting – was that our start? Yeah, our starting point guard, COVID. Our backup point guard, COVID. Our backup shooting guard, COVID. So now we're playing the best team in the league with two juniors at the point guard. And I have to say, these kids played their heart out. But – you know, you can't replace experience, you know. And then and then they were a really good three-point shooting team. We're trading twos to threes. And, you know, we we got we got swept. We we just couldn't overcome it. That's three main pieces. And then those were three of our best shooters. So we didn't have any shooting. We had one shooter. So um yeah, so those are the those are the folks I, I came across uh playing there, but as you see, there's a there's a lot of us over there doing well uh, right now. Sammy's still going. Uh, Franz is still going. Um, uh, Kaz, Kaz is still going. But stretch, uh, stretch has said he's he's called the quiz this year. And Rodney did a couple seasons ago. Rodney um, Williams. Yeah, I think Frank might still be playing Elgo or something. Yeah, I don't know. If, I never really stayed in touch with Frank. I don't. I don't know. I used to watch any of these games. Like, like, do you have a like? Is that on Flow? I heard somewhere are there ways to watch these. Yeah, games? online, and then like some people have like I have like the Fire Stick here, so I can grab some Argentine channels. So I watch some of their games. Like my my old team, who I won the last championship with, they were in the championship these past two seasons and lost both of them. I watched that game, and that's the only time I really thought about playing. I was looking at the guy, the American they had at the five, and I was like, I know for a fact if. We swapped right now. We would have won that championship. That's that's why I was looking at that. But other than that, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. I miss being over there, but I don't miss playing. I don't miss playing at all. It was time. You had a long, fruitful career, man. That's yeah, eighteen years. My wife was like, "How can you just do it and just not play?" I was like, "Yo, I've eighteen years professional. That's not even counting four years college and." Four years high school and AU and and all of that stuff. Like I'm, I don't have anything else to give to the game physically. I'll be happy to share knowledge, yeah. but I don't have anything else to prove 
or give physically. I gave every everything. So I can I'm very happy and proud of what I've done and I, I don't regret anything. I'm not like, oh I wish I, I need to go back and prove something. I did I did what I came to do. So I'm I'm pretty happy. It seems like you transitioned out really well too. You got a lot of stuff going on now. So that, that probably helps too. So Rob, we really appreciate you coming on. I mean it's great having you here going through your career. Uh, I mean we don't you don't get a lot of visibility to players once they go in Europe over here, I feel like, or overseas in general, I should say. So it's great to get that type of perspective. Um, and really, you know, as, as fans of you and, the, and Drexel in general, we really pre- appreciate you coming on. This is a treat for us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. I love I love talking about it, man. And um, I think I don't know how to, how to work it out yet. Maybe you guys have some ideas, but I kind of want to start maybe like a consulting, you know, situation for for guys going over there um or maybe just you know just throwing some tips out there doing some videos and like covering certain situations that they're going to face you know what yeah. i mean well i look at, I look at this podcast and we started this out just to talk basketball but this is a way to get multiple people from drexel out there you know as a coach spiker and then we talked to um maisha kelly and and, and you yeah and like bill said you kind of kind of go off and we lose track and um, now you're out there and the people search Apple and, you know, Robert Battle and there's a podcast. So they're out running. That, that's why I started this. Like, you know, and we can learn about you and you're on record now. So, um, and in multiple different and, and biggest, the most important thing as a Drexel alum, um, you carried our flag. Thank you for doing that. I mean, all over the world again for you. And, you know, I, I think like I been cool if you had gone to, to Chang Wan and I had shown up at a game. I, I saw Nick Fazikas play for some team from Tokyo, and I was uh, I was like, oh my god, it's Nick Fazikas, and it's a small world. And when I showed up, and oh, there's you know Robert Battle. But so you take it for granted where you've been. Um, but I'm sure you wore Drexel stuff and carried the flag, and lots of great advice you gave to you know people coming up and as an alumni, you know, for anybody that that went to Drexel, it's, it's inspiring. So. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time and everything. So, um. yeah, there's there's folks over there rocking Drexel gear too. They want it, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let me. You can you can get you know a, a couple other guys. You know, Timmy and um, Whitworth and Schmieder. Phil would be a great guy. He's doing a lot of a lot of good things now. I think he's creating an app or something. Um, I think we're going to shoot to have more interviews with former players too. So I think those are some good names that we can. Uh, Shoot to bring in. Maybe we'll see it a game this year, and I we... for sure, man. I'm going to make more games. I've met like three last. Year. I I thought I was going to be able to make more, and it just you know, especially with everything that was going on, it was tough. But I'm definitely going to make more games. Yeah, six months since we saw you last one, so quick. I'm sitting there. I was like, I think I heard three weeks. Penn State, Purdue on a Thursday night, and not to bring football in this, but basketball is not far behind it, so it's coming up really quick. So, Less than 100 days. Yeah, yep. and those guys are in Italy right now. I didn't even know they were going. I've, I've been so disconnected for a little while. Just with all the protocols, you know, just being able to pop in, it's not as easy. But So I like to pop in and meet some of these new guys because those, all those guys who came in the pandemic, I don't know. Well, the whole there's a whole basically a new team this year anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I only know like full train and, you know. We're going to rely on Bill and his recruiting knowledge to, because I haven't even bothered to look at the roster. So some way we're going to have to do, a, we're going to have to do a podcast on the team because there's what, seven new, seven or eight new players, I think on the team. So it's basically a whole new crop. Yeah. But anyway, again, um, Rob, thank you very much. Um, and really appreciate the time and maybe we'll have you back some other time, but, um, but thank you. All right, thank you guys, man. I enjoyed it. I'd love to come back anytime.